from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. I'm J.J. Green, and this is a special report. Assassins Incorporated, the Kremlin's secret squad of killers. We're taking a look at exactly how they work. In March of 2016, we began investigating the suspicious deaths of Russian diplomats and others around the world in some way linked to the Kremlin. Some of them died in the U.S., in New York, and in D.C. The deaths of some were deemed natural. Others were obviously murdered. The investigation, which also examined failed assassination attempts, revealed a persistent and recurrent pattern and scheme involving money, power, and revenge. And in our series, dozens of people, including victims, their family members, diplomats, journalists, U.S. intelligence and law enforcement officials and sources, and members of Congress and experts were interviewed to gain a better understanding of how the Kremlin's deadly ring of killers operates. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Target USA is brought to you by Northrop Grumman. In today's battle space, situations change rapidly. That's why Northrop Grumman's innovative C-4 ISR technology offers unprecedented mission capability. That's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. As we take a look on our special series of Target USA podcast entitled Assassins Incorporated, the Kremlin's secret squad of killers, we start with three specific cases. The Paul Joyal case that took place in 2007 leads us off. He's an American. He was shot under suspicious circumstances. No one at the time knew what to make of it, except him. And 12 years later, after all of the suspicious murders of Russians around the world, we take a look back at this American case. March 1st, 2007. It was a rainy, cold night in Adelphi, Maryland. Paul Joyal was returning home after a meeting with a friend at Zola, the swanky restaurant attached to the Spy Museum in downtown Washington. After pulling into his driveway about 7.30 that evening and stepping out of his car... There were two men waiting for me in the bushes. He was attacked from behind. I struggled with uh, the first man, the assailant. Joyal, a former federal law enforcement officer, took his attacker to the ground. The assailant called out to his accomplice for help, saying something Joyal will never forget. He said, shoot him. One shot from a 9mm pistol rang out, piercing his colon and bladder. 
The lights outside his house flew on. His dog started to bark. Panicked, the assailants tried to end the encounter and Joyal's life. Then they came in to shoot me again in the head and the gun jammed. The shooter cleared the weapon. He tried again and the gun jammed again. At that point, the attackers fled the scene. In the direction of the cemetery in back of my home. Once they entered the cemetery, they were never seen again. The case has never been solved. But Joyal had an idea who was behind it. And as he fought for his life that night, he asked his wife to make an urgent phone call. I made sure she called and alerted Oleg Kalugin. Oleg Kalugin, a former major general in the KGB who defected to the U.S., was the person that Joyal met for drinks at the spy museum. They had three key things in common. They were former business partners, they were critics of Vladimir Putin, and they were friends with Alexander Litvinenko. As investigators continue to scratch their heads about who did it, one key fact dominates their attention. Four days ahead of his shooting, Joyal and Kalugin appeared on a Dateline NBC program titled, Who Killed Alexander Litvinenko? They both pointed the finger at the Kremlin and Vladimir Putin. Curiously, two other people who appeared on that program talking about Russia's assassins turned up dead. Boris Berezovsky, found hanged in his bathroom in London, and Daniel McGrory, a London Times reporter, had a heart attack. There is a clear connection to London, so the next obvious thing for us to do was to take a look at that connection. On November 1st, 2006, Alexander Litvinenko didn't feel well. It started at home and it was so strong, so sudden. Marina, his wife, tried everything she knew. I tried to help him with some domestic stuff. Thinking that he had a cold or the flu or maybe food poisoning. We just tried to understand, did he eat something unusual? Tried to calculate all his meetings he had day before. He wasn't responding to anything. In a few hours, he became very exhausted. And in those early hours of desperation, as they struggled to determine what was wrong, Sasha, as she called him, made a haunting remark that proved to be the prognosis that it would take doctors many days to get to the bottom of. Sasha made this comment, it looks very strange. It looks more like a chemical poisoning than food poisoning. After two days, she called an ambulance the emergency technicians arrived and told her it was best to keep him at home because it looked like the flu or a cold. But soon, evidence would emerge that would prove beyond a shadow of a doubt it wasn't a cold. It was difficult to believe how from a very sporty, very strong person, he became just like old man just mm. for three days. She called the ambulance again. This time, they took him to the hospital where he spent 19 agonizing days. He started to lose hair. His skin became yellow color. His tissue uh, inside was uh, inflamed and he felt very, very bad. He died 
on November 23, 2006, of polonium-210 poisoning. But before, he made a secret statement that wouldn't be released until after he was gone. In his statement, he blamed Vladimir Putin of killing him. A week after Litvinenko's death, questions swirled about whether Vladimir Putin was involved. This is Dominic Armstrong, managing director of Aegis Defense Services in London at the time. Putin probably comes out worst of all from this. Is he someone who really could have masterminded it? I think that's very unlikely. But then he said this. Is it an ill-gauged gift from somebody? What Armstrong hypothesized about in 2006 is now a broadly accepted theory in the intelligence world. With so many of Vladimir Putin's enemies being killed, if he didn't order their killing, someone trying to impress him did. It's a part of a very lucrative industry. And we'll take a look at that lucrative industry when we continue on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Target USA is brought to you by Northrop Grumman. Northrop Grumman's innovative C4 ISR technology offers unprecedented mission capability, enabling faster, more assured decisions. That's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman. This is a Target USA moment. Episode 100. Former CIA spy Mark Kelton behind the Iron Curtain. One time I had to mail a letter to an agent uh, and mail it without the opposition knowing it. It was uh, January, very, very cold, uh, below zero. And uh, after a long route to try to ensure that there was no one behind me, I got to the, uh, to the place where I was supposed to mail it. But, you know, the, the fear, of course, of getting caught, I was actually sweating. It was, it, was, uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was well below zero, but sweating because of the concern. Um, I, my hands were so cold, I, I opened the letterbox, uh, went to slip the letter inside, and it dropped with a clang. And all the, the letterbox itself dropped with a, dropped with a clang. Wow. The, and I looked up and down, it was a vacant street, wondering if anybody had heard me. I remember, th- I remember that till the, uh, till the day I die. This has been a Target USA moment, episode 100. Download it, relive it. I'm JJ Green, and we're back with Target USA. The National Security Podcast. In the last four years, dozens of Russians have died under suspicious circumstances. The survival of Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia yielded some significant clues to investigators, but there is a foiled plot that blew the lid off of one of the Kremlin's secret squads of killers. On May 30th, Arkady Babchenko, a Russian journalist and critic of Russian President Vladimir Putin, walked into a news conference that was hastily arranged by Ukrainian security services. The stunned audience applauded. Incredulous colleagues watching the news conference erupted with glee and tears when they saw him. It was a shock because the day before, he was shot dead by an assassin, allegedly hired by an organization with ties to the Kremlin. The fact that he was still alive led to confusion. How could he die and then return from the dead? 
Through a translator, in an exclusive interview with WTOP, he explained what happened and, more importantly, why. Well, I was uh, under threat of an assassination by the secret services of the Russian Federation. He revealed a simple murder-for-hire scheme that allegedly is the foundation of an elaborate network of killers that work to settle scores for Russia's rich and powerful, many of whom are connected to the Kremlin. This uh, kind of uh, political assassinations uh, as of late in Russia have been um, perpetrated as a um, bidding, uh, bidding process. That is, the um, contractor would uh, let it known that there is a contract and different, or place several contracts, and different uh, teams of perpetrators were competing and the, for this uh, job, and whoever managed to de- do it first would have been paid. As a result of the operation, Babchenko had to completely change his life. According to Western intelligence sources, Kremlin-linked hit squads are strewn all over Europe, easily transiting from the Black Sea to the Atlantic, waiting for orders. But Babchenko is not waiting. His security is now top-notch. Well, I'm being guarded. They gave me uh, 24-hour protection. I live in a uh, secured place, and I'm completely... In a secured situation, I cannot walk out uh, the building even to do some shopping. Bobchenko is out of immediate danger, but there's still more. Several teams of people planning to kill Bobchenko had help. Training in Russia. And they had a lot of weapons. They have uncovered a few weapons depots, serious weaponry, including grenade launchers. Bobchenko is safe for now, but he says because of the nature of this organization, others are not. All these arrests and discoveries were made in Ukraine. The point is that those who are on the top of this network, they are hiding in Russia, and of course they are being beyond the reach of the Ukrainians. I'm sure that uh, both assassinations and other attempts to destabilize uh, the situation in Ukraine uh, will continue. It is now clear that Mr. Skripal and his daughter were poisoned with a military-grade nerve agent of a type developed by Russia. This is part of a group of nerve agents known as Novichok. But while Ukraine remains ground zero for Kremlin hit squads, Western Europe, Britain in particular, is in the bullseye, according to British Prime Minister Theresa May. The government has concluded that it is highly likely that Russia was responsible for the act against Sergei and Yulia Skripal. One man in London knows all too well about the Kremlin's persistence. Now, the Russians are doing everything that they can to try to kill me, to try to stop me, to try to intimidate me. There are probably 250 people working full-time inside the Russian government at any given moment trying to destroy my life. American-born British citizen Bill Browder, who's responsible for the Magnitsky Act, which severely punishes the Russian government for corruption and the murders carried out by Kremlin hit squads, has been relentlessly pursued, and the people chasing him 
have gotten very creative. On the 30th of May, um, I'm in my hotel room in Madrid, and at, at about 9.40 in the morning, there's a knock on my door. I open the door, and the general manager of the hotel is standing there with two uniformed police officers. And I, uh, they ask me for my identification. I show them my ID. They compare it with a piece of paper they have, and then they say, Mr. Browder, you're under arrest. And I said, what for? And they said, Interpol, Russia. This was the sixth time Russia had tried to use a bogus Interpol red notice to take Browder into custody. And when they did get a hold of him, they didn't take him to a police station. And so my heart was beating hard, and we were driving through the streets of old Madrid in what looked like a police car, and they had, they had the sirens on. Then they abruptly stopped the car. And, and they told me to get out of the car. I got out, and, 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 I, and I was very confused, and they said, medical exam. And these guys didn't speak English very well. And I said, no medical exam. And I said, I want to speak to my lawyer. They said, no lawyer. And we had this standoff. And I was thinking to myself, I'm, there's no way I'm going to go into that building with these guys who claim they're cops for a, quote, medical exam. Because the last thing, because, you know, next thing I know, I'm injected with something and I, I'm, I wake up on a, in a floor of a cell in Moscow. And so I stood there, and I was ready to, you know, I was going to do whatever I had to do to make sure I didn't go to that building. And, uh, and then the standoff, they, they made some phone calls, and they were all in a sort of state, and then they, they eventually told me to get back into the car. I got back into the car. They put the lights on and the sirens, and we, dro we drove through the streets again. And finally, when we come to the real police station, that's when I calmed down, because I thought, okay, this is a real legit operation. You know, it, whatever legal issues I have can be solved, but as long as it's not a... Uh, uh, illegal rendition. So where were you? Where did they stop? Do you did you ever find out where they took you previously? First, uh, uh, I, I, to, to this day, I don't know. I mean, we're, th these are all questions that we we will get to the bottom of because these are highly important questions to understand what what was really going on. Um, but um, uh, but in, in any case, they, they were clearly police officers. They were clearly um, uh, and I clearly ended up at the police station. And at the police station, then um, they they then presented me with a document which said I'd been arrested um, for, based on a Russian allegation of fraud. Um, Russia had gone to Interpol, and uh, and then I sat there, and they were they were then asked me for a copy of my passport and started to process me. And about a, an hour into this thing, um, uh, uh, they get a phone call from Interpol saying release him right away, mm -hmm. and that's when the whole thing ended. And so the whole thing lasted for little less than two hours, and I was actually able to get to my meeting with the head of the um, uh, the prosecutor, the, the prosecutor guy who was from the going after the Russian organized crime. I got to him about forty minutes late, and I should say he was deeply mortified that that here he is prosecuting Russian organized crime, and and the Russian organized criminals have effectively abused the Spanish police system to arrest one of his key witnesses. And then the, the general prosecutor of Russia, Yuri Chaika, gave a press conference, um, a very angry press conference, where he said that Russia is going to redouble its efforts to have me arrested and that I shouldn't sleep peacefully at night. That means, basically, if they're going to redouble their efforts, that means $100 million they're, they're going to spend and maybe 500 people around the world working on your case. What does that what does that redouble mean to you? Well, it means that that um, I, I don't know if those numbers you're quoting are the right numbers, but what it means is that um, this is a high priority. This is a Vladimir Putin priority, uh, as you will, will remember. 
uh, Vladimir Putin sent his lawyer, Natalia Veselnitskaya, to Trump Tower to um, have the Magnitsky Act repealed and to try to have me arrested. And so um, whatever they've been doing, <laughs> which is a lot, they're going to do a lot more, which, um, which means I've got to be on my toes and, and keep my eyes peeled for, for future uh, actions and, yeah. and, uh, and uh, initiatives from Russia. Browder's situation raised a key question for us on Target USA. What about Americans? Would the Russian government, the Kremlin, and its secret squad of killers go after Americans? Jonathan Weiner, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for International Law Enforcement, told us it would be a serious mistake. I think as a matter of policy, uh, they should not go after anybody, period, mm -hmm. whether they're Russian or non-Russian. Assassinations are uh, terrible, horrible, dangerous things to do. And once you get in that business, whoever you're doing it to, and try and decide to do it reciprocally. So everybody is at risk once people get into the business of assassinations. But I think that the implications are different for Russia. If they're assassinating Russians, where they can, it, it, it serves to chill and intimidate all Russians everywhere and starting to assassinate people who aren't Russians. Now, if we assume, for the sake of our discussion today, that they are assassinating Russians to intimidate them, and that they're not generally killing non-Russians, um, that would make sense as a policy, because it's hard for the Russians to get organized to go and try and kill Russian government officials. That's going to be hard. So the kickback is limited. If you start killing nationals of other countries and you get caught, the kickback is absolutely ferocious and potentially uncontainable. So it's an incredibly dangerous business to be in. Now, does that mean the Russians never do it? I can't say that. You have to look at facts on particular cases. I have not looked at the police files, intelligence files, or any other files about what happened to Paul Joyle. I don't know. But there is a principled policy difference to make between killing others and killing your own uh, people in your own country. And on our next episode of Target USA, as we feature Assassins Incorporated, the Kremlin's Secret Squad of Killers, Paul Joyal has something to say about that. There's no uh, direct proof that what happened to me was the work of, of Kremlin, uh, the Kremlin, or it's those that it employed. But of course, it did have a major effect upon those who knew me well uh, from my outspoken criticism of Putin and the Kremlin, as well as my associations with people over the years who have fallen into the category of being traitors of the regime or um, people who were deemed as enemies. Um, but we no longer can absolutely rule out that things can happen here to Americans on American soil or foreigners on American soil. That's coming up on our next episode of Target USA. Listen, I want to thank you for being loyal listeners. 
I want to thank you for bringing your friends and and new people to listen to this podcast. I really do appreciate it. We've been at it for more than three years, and the proof is in the response that you've given us that we're doing something right. So thank you. In our next episode and in the next three episodes after that, we'll continue to examine this issue. If you have any questions or comments, let me know. Green at WTOP.com is my email. That's the letter J, the color green, one word. Green at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. Green at WTOP.com. And be sure, if you will, to follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. We really appreciate you doing that. So until the next time, I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Target USA is brought to you by Northrop Grumman. In today's battle space, situations change rapidly. That's why Northrop Grumman's innovative C4 ISR technology offers unprecedented mission capability. That's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman. Now. Stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.